Welcome back to another edition of the SBK Betting Podcast. And it's beginning to hot up, not just literally with the sun now shining. Uh, we've got rid of all that pesky rain and we're getting to the real thick of some proper Group 1 action. And it comes thick and fast this weekend. And we're delighted that we are we continue to roll in with pretty good form as well. Um, last weekend, um, managed to bag the Victoria Cup winner in the shape of Rebel Territory and TC Raffaltino placed at 11 to 1 in that race, but also winning Napin now. The very sadly, um, now no longer with us, Creative Force. What a shame that um, his his life came to an end this week but what a win he had at Haydock um, last weekend he opened up at 11 to 10 and returned as SP at 4 to 6 and Ross another winning lap as well James McHenry opened up at 92 and went off a well back 5 to 2 favourite so all round we're all feeling quite comfortable on ourselves and I know that TC is having not too bad a time at York as it stands too as a good first day um, up there too so let's hope that we can swing in quite nicely to the lock-in stakes at Newbury this weekend this group one over a mile uh, is always um, a juicy contest and really now that Baid is retired and we the miling division potentially is slightly a little bit more open than it has been in previous years. And it is an interesting picture to this uh, lockinge race where um, we'll see if um, the Breeders' Cup winner at Modern Games can get his season back on track after quite a surprise defeat back over in America last time out. He has been declared for this race and is the likely favourite here. And then you've got uh, an intriguing contender from the John Thady Goldstone Yard in the shape of Laurel, the filly, who could have a very bright future ahead of her. Now as a four-year-old, she's very lightly raced and uh, she's got that man, Frankie Dettori, on board who's just thriving. And we've got the likes of Mari Prospero, uh, Jadumi back in action as well. We haven't seen him since a luckless run uh, at Ascot. Um, uh, sorry, uh, we haven't seen him run since... Uh, his third at Ascot. Um, then we've got Mustard Sarbeck, um, who was a winner last time out at Newmarket, where he absolutely bolted up. So a good picture to this race. Um, Ross, um, we'll go with you first. I like uh, the setup of this because it's a lot more open than we have seen with these miling division. It's probably quite, uh, I think a lot of these connections quite pleased that Baid isn't here to uh, make these these sort of non-events. So it's quite an, an open affair with modern games, clearly not completely invincible. Yeah, I think that's absolutely, um, as, I, as I saw it, to be honest, Jess, I mean, I think he's the, he's the right favourite. He certainly sets the standard, but he's not he's not an insurmountable standard. You know, he's not a Baye, he's not a Palace peer. Um, I mean, I'm told TC will tell us with far better clarity than me sort of why he didn't win last time. Um, the fact is he comes here off the back of a defeat where he perhaps looked like he should have won that race, uh, but he does have race fitness and a, and a lot of these don't. Um, so I thought he was the most logical and most likely winner. Um, but the presence of Laurel, uh, who's very hardy to uh, assess, um, just slightly puts me off putting him up because she really could be anything. She was very impressive uh, on her debut at Newmarket on, on quick ground. And I think we're going to get that. I mean, my forecast is saying that it's, it's a, it's a dry, dry Thursday, a dry Friday, a dry Saturday. Ground is going to quicken up. We're going to have to handle certainly better ground than we've probably had all season so far. Um, she proved she could do that uh, on her debut. She was wildly impressive at Kempton last time. But you have to concede that it's a big step up from a Kempton or weather uh, contest into this um, for all that she looks very promising. So so those two at the head of the market sort of 
cancel each other out as far as I was concerned, really, because I, I wouldn't have been confident about one being better than the other. Um, so I looked a bit further down the field. I think my Prospera, I think he probably wants a bit of cutting the ground at this level for all that he's he's won on quicker ground at listed level. And I think he's more of a 10 furlong horse. Muta Sarbeck, I mean, if this was at Newmarket, he's going to be a much shorter price than he is now. But he's got to go and prove he can do it away from Newmarket. His two standout performances have come there. He's been run of the mill, I would say, uh, away from that. Uh, Jadumi, I think, wants softer ground. I think he'll be a horse that's interesting later on in, in the season. And then, and then the others looked a little bit exposed, other than uh, Triple Time, who's only had six career starts, just two of them as a three-year-old when he missed pretty much all of last season. Um, he looked really smart on quick ground at, at, at Haydock twice, um, went to went to France and, and ran probably below par on soft ground at Longchamp. I think you could put a, a line through that run. Um, he's got plenty of, of scope to progress just for the fact he's only had six runs. And then when you look at his family, half-siblings, Stilo, uh, Ajman Princess and Kate Byron, all step forward from three to four, in the case of Kate Byron, from, from, from four to five. Um, so I think he's got loads of scope for further progress. Kevin Ryan's in, in great form, had, had two winners at the opening day of the York Festival. Um, I just thought at 25 to one, um, he's got a stone to find uh, with, with the leading protagonist, but he probably hasn't got that much to find to run into a place against slightly more exposed horses that perhaps haven't got their optimal conditions uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I just, you know, you know horses as well as anyone. He It was a massive performance when he came back after that huge break and the setback to win the Superior Mile. And then running the next time, do you think it might have been a bit of a bounce factor slightly? You know, he ran poorly or was at the ground. You know, he'd been given a good freshen up. He's clearly been very fragile and it's been a big training effort to get him back. Yeah, I think... By Frankel, you would expect that he'd be able to handle slightly softer ground, but he just didn't look anywhere near the horse uh, at Longchamp as he had at Haydock. I think there's a bounce factor. Uh, you can't blame them for all the dice and going. You know, you'd miss most of the season. You have nothing left to lose at that time of the year. Uh, it, it might just be that first time out is the time to catch him as well. So uh, with the yard in, in, in decent form, um, I was happy to take my chance at around about 25 to 1. Okay, yeah, I, I do think that's completely fair enough in a race like this where there's no standout. Um, and Tom, there is a there is a gap there, isn't there, for this uh, miling king to, or queen to appear uh, because we've, we've got a race where there are a lot of horses with questions to answer. Modern Games looked like he was going to be the natural successor there. But what happened at Keeneland? Because 9 to 20 which is not a price I see that often. He goes off and gets beaten and he gets beaten fair and square back, back at Keenan. What can you tell us about the race and why should he be favourite for this off the back of that disappointing, um, disappointing effort? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I'm sure we're going to see on the live coverage on the primary TV channels and in other podcasts, people say that he was disappointing last time at Keeneland. Obviously, opinions are great. If you do think he was disappointing, then fair enough. But I personally think that would be an incorrect statement. Now, the turf course at Keeneland rode very, very firm at the spring meet. There was basically no rain throughout the whole of April. And it really favoured horses that were right on the speed or at least prominent in their races. Now, William Buick hadn't ridden at Keeneland this meet before he rode Modern Games in the Makers Mile. He sat way too far off the speed. He was seven and a half lengths back off the leader at halfway, seven lengths back at the three-quarter pole, and six lengths behind the leader turning in. That shows you how much of a deficit he had to try and make up. 
And it wasn't because Modern Games doesn't have the speed to be close uh, to Chez Pierre, who eventually won that race, because they only went 47.66 seconds through the half. Now, Previously, when Modern Games won the Breeders' Cup Mile back in November, they went 46.81 seconds, so almost a second quicker through the half mile. And Modern Games was only four lengths back there, uh, as opposed to seven lengths back in the Makers' Mile. So it was William Buick's decision to rate, uh, to rate off the speed. Now, Chez Pierre kept up the gallop, eventually won by three lengths. But what was interesting was that Modern Games really eroded that deficit late in the race. And he basically matched a horse called Up to the Mark. Up to the mark, trained by Todd Pletcher, finished third, just behind Modern Games in that contest. Modern Games, I think, was 0.06 seconds uh, quicker through the final two furlongs. Doesn't sound like much, but he was still quicker. And up to the mark, came back to win the Grade 1 Turf Classic at Churchill Downs, boosting that form. I think Modern Games actually ran a very respectable race, despite the fact he was beating a short price. And, you know, it's completely different going to Newbury for the lock-ins as opposed to Keeneland. But I think he's by far the horse to beat. And actually, I'm really sweet on him. He's going to be my next best. Spoiler alert. Yeah, well, that's why you listen to this podcast, isn't it? That insight into how American races can be run and why you can lose it based on the way that you position yourself in the race and William Buick just potentially taking your advantage, you know, slightly um, overlooking how the fractions can be set so cleverly by the jockeys in around him. I think it's so crucial to to read into that. I I love him as a horse. I think he's so bomb proof. Normally he's very consistent. He's uh he's a horse that um obviously has to come back from that. It's a lot of travelling, isn't it, back and forward where there are some really nice fresh horses. My last question is that on ratings is my Brosprero is exactly the same as him, one two one. Um he ran a big race um within the same sort of um, context of modern games' form um, when he was uh, um, uh, uh, last season. You know, he was he was always sort of in and around that sort of that high high level. Why is he not considered within your your in your in your form lines as close to modern games as he should be? I respect my Prospero, I, I do, and I respect Laurel because she could improve uh, Mutasabet because that new market run was good. But I think there are negatives for all three of those horses. Now, less of a negative for Laurel insofar as she just hasn't proved that she's good enough to compete with modern games just yet. But she could take that step forward. I can see the angle there. My Prospero hasn't run for 217 days. He has a good record fresh. He won first time up last year. But his best form has come on good to soft ground. And as Ross said... The forecast looks pretty uh, good over the next couple of days and maybe the ground will go good or the firm side of good. And that probably won't suit him coming off the layoff. And Mutasarbeck, I just think he's a, a fresh merchant. I think he runs best off the layoff. Second time up, just never as good. And away from Newmarket, as Ross has already touched on, isn't a, pro- uh, isn't a positive for him. Okay, fine. There, well, we've made our case for a good few of them. Um, and uh, Modern Games, uh, TC, happy to, to stick with. I'm... Very happy to give Laurel um, that backing. She was my horse to follow at the beginning of the season. I thought the second that she ran in the Sun Chariot last year was a huge performance on just her third start of her career. Um, she went and showed herself what was quite an ordinary listed race last time. Still to be a, a super high-class filly is different in this division against the opposite sex, but she gets that weight allowance and she'll be ridden with plenty of confidence by Frankie Tori and happy to give her that chance. I also think Chindit shouldn't be left alone. Again, he's a bit like some of them can 
always go best fresh, but he ran a blinder in this race last year when he was third at 20 to one. He loves it at Newbury. Newbury and Ascot is where he runs well. And this time of the season, I think is really crucial for him too. Um, so I wouldn't be put off Chinder at around 20 to one as well um, in the lock and stakes, which is wide open as always. Um, okay, we've gone through the this race with a, a real fine tooth comb and um, there's good action at Newbury, also at Newmarket. Um, TC, you're in excellent form at present. So what, have, what, what can you find for us on this Saturday? What are you looking forward to seeing? Yeah, so the next best, as I've already touched on, is Modern Games. So just a nap to add in uh, to this now, which is Montasib in the 350 at Newmarket. Now, only seven runners have been declared for this seven furlong handicap. It should be a pretty wide open betting heat. No short price favorite like last week with Creative Force uh, as my nap. Recent course winner, the gatekeepers in the field, informed star of Orion's also in there, as well as George Bowie's air to air, who's always seemed to attract uh, support in his races. So I think there should be a wide open betting heat. However, I really like William Haggis' Montasib. Uh, this five-year-old's a gorgeous looker, and he made a great start to his career, winning his first three races. There was a 500-plus day gap in the middle of them, but he showed uh, no ill effects from that long layoff, and he returned with two wins. Now, he hasn't won in his last six starts, which should mean he goes off a bigger price than he should do on paper in this race. He has proved extremely consistent in big field handicaps. Last year, he finished fifth out of 29 in the Buckingham Palace at Royal Ascot. Fourth out of 18 in the Bunbury Cup. Fourth out of 10 in the Shergar Mile, a race he should have won but was given a poor ride. Uh, and then second of 12 in a competitive contest at Haydock. As I say, they all came last year. Two starts this season. First time up in the Lincoln, right out the back of the TV, but it was heavy ground, put a line through it. He's an exceeding excel, doesn't want heavy ground. And then last time out at Haydock, I thought he ran fantastically well. Now, he didn't place in that race, but he was the only horse to make any kind of ground from the back of the pack. He surged through and finished fourth. The fifth horse, Boardman, ran maybe a bit below par at Chester last week. The third has come back and run a good race. So the form was given a minor boost. Montasib sticks to seven furlongs, definitely his ideal trip. He was tried over a mile, doesn't really stay at seven furlongs is ideal. Uh, and he's handicapped to win off a mark of 98. So I really like him this week, Jess, in the 350 at Newmarket. Would it be a double for Montasib Modern Games? I know that you like doing doubles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I'll, I'll have to say double because when I don't say to do a double, my two selections, people do pick it up. So, yes, a double and win singles, yes. <laughs> just in case, just in case. Uh, brilliant. Um, I know uh, before you leave us, um, we want uh, to get also some insight on the Preakness because uh, second leg of the Triple Crown um, it looks wide open. I'd love to get your quick thoughts on this. Um, when, and I know you'll have a, a longer blog on, on it as well, but a quick um, insight into the Preakness on Saturday. Yeah, as you said, second leg of the US Triple Crown coming up at Pimlico in Maryland on Saturday at 12.01. So it's a late one if you want to tune in, but it will be live on Sky Sports Racing and I'll be in the studio for it. In truth, it's a pretty poor turnout compared to the Kentucky Derby. In fact, only one horse for the Kentucky Derby is actually running in the Preakness, and that is the winner, Mage, who seeks to become the latest Triple Crown winner. He'll be a short price favourite to become the 37th horse to win both the Derby and the Preakness in 149 years. I think he's vulnerable. He could easily win the race. If he reproduces Kentucky Derby form, he's going to be banged there. But it's a quick turnaround. He's not the uh, the bomb-proof favourite that I was hoping for in Forte coming into the Preakness this year. National Anthem goes from the inside gate for Bob Baffert. First mission goes for Brad Cox out wide. I'm between the two. Haven't made a firm decision yet, but I'll be taking on Mage, that's for sure. Okay, it hasn't been as a dramatic lead-up as it has the Kentucky Derby. Let's hope all horses get there. Um, thanks, uh, TC. Ross, I'm sure you've got your opinions on the Preakness. Yeah, can't, can't wait, can't wait for it, Jess. Uh, when I wake up on uh, on Sunday morning and find out uh, that TC's uh, tipped the winner. 
but as you as you rightly told us in the in the WhatsApp group, hashtag flatters best, something like that. It's only been a few weeks and we've converted you. You're in good form. So what have you found for this weekend? Well, uh, I, I, I've got one of those rare weeks where six have popped up in, in the tracker. So I, I hope I've, I found the right two off the tracker. And I, I've been a very good boy and stuck to the flat, despite there being a couple of Utoxeter horses I like uh, for a nice Saturday evening card at Utoxeter. So the nap um, is, again, following on from last, last week. It's a, a horse that uh, comes here as a three, first run as a three-year-old, having impressed me as a two-year-old. And it comes in at three o'clock at Newbury, the William Haggis-trained Tom Mark Onridden Desert Hero uh, I just loved what he did on on his debut at Haydock over seven furlongs uh, for a horse with a stout pedigree. He showed bags of class, bags of speed. Uh, he then went to the Solario Stakes and just didn't get a great run round. He was posted a bit wide. He raced far too keenly, but still ran with credit behind Silver Knot, I thought, and then wound up his, his two-year-old season with a, a facile win at Red Car when sent off something like six, seven to one on, winning as he should do. But that was on heavy ground over, over nine furlongs. Uh, he now comes back to Newbury on a galloping track over 10 furlongs uh, off a mark of 94. I'd be hugely disappointed if he doesn't wind up significantly better than that. William Haggis loves targeting York. Uh, he's a new market-based trainer. There's a meeting at Newmarket. I think it's notable that he's he's passed over all of those options and come to Newbury um, for this race. Uh, I think he's got standout credentials. I think he's a horse to follow for the season. Beautifully bred by See the Stars out of a Dubawi mare. Um, I think a mark of 94 wildly underestimates him. And I'd expect him to make up into a really nice three-year-old. And then the next best comes in the 240 uh, at Newmarket. And it's the Clive Cox-trained eminency. Um, I think he's just going to really appreciate getting back on a on a quicker surface. Um, it was... Uh, Quick ground when he finished second on his debut as a two-year-old at Windsor, then came back and, and, and won next time again on quick ground. He's not had quick ground since then, but he was running really well at Kempton last time and just had absolutely no luck in running whatsoever. Everywhere that Adam Kirby tried to go, he met with trouble. He finished fourth, still full of running. Um, he comes here off the same mark against a couple of horses that are quite exposed. He's relatively unexposed and I think they're still uh, juicing his mark. Um, and I expect him to win the 240 at Newmarket. Okay, lovely. And serious cases there. You're really doing your homework. I think you quite enjoyed this. Uh, and I know that you're looking, keeping a good eye on the juveniles as well. It's always worth um, following and reading Ross's um, Juveniles to Watch um, uh, articles on uh, Racing TV. Uh, thanks, Ross. Um, look, I have one of my favourite races of the weekend is on Saturday. It's the London Gold Cup um, for the three-year-olds over the 10 furlongs. It's a race that is pulled out some serious horses in the in in the past including two years ago um bay bridge and it's, oh it's be interesting to see if we've got a, a potential group one horse in this field i'm sure we probably do somewhere they're all they're all bordering on that group group material anyway and i really like royal rhyme for clifford lee and carl burke who bolted up at newmarket um, over the Guineas weekend, albeit on softish ground, I have to say. Um, but if you go back to his good run at Haydock the time before, where he was, he went off favourite, I think it was, um, but he was behind a horse racing brakes rider who's gone on and franked the form left, right and centre. Uh, I don't think that um, he, they would want it to dry out a huge amount more, um, but I like his price around eight to one in a race where I think a lot of these horses are really evenly matched and what they've done. Um, so Royal Rhyme uh, for Carl Buck and Clifford Lee. And then um, the next horse is another newcomer. Now I know I did this last week, but let's see if it works. And if it doesn't work, I won't do it again. 
again with newcomers. Um, but in the 1.30 at Newmarket, um, Richard Hannon runs La Garrida uh, for that yard. Now, at the moment, uh, as it stands, I can't see a jockey booking um, because I'm pretty certain that regular um, rider for um, this team, uh, Kevin Stott, is over at Newbury. Um, but I'd imagine they'd probably get one of their um, own guys on on board. Um, this is a filly that they hold in really high regard, daughter of New Bay. Um, there's a lot of guessing with of these horses. Majority of them haven't run yet, um, but I know that they hold this horse in, in very, very stoutly and their two-year-old's been running very well. Um, they've got some nice fillies, but not all of them have come out yet because of the weather, the sun not coming out yet. So I think they've just been waiting a little bit with for this one. So like to see how like La Garida gets on in the 1.30 at Newmarket. So that's it. Another cracking weekend um, of racing. Um, good luck to all of those following either Ross, myself or TC for the lock-in and for the Preakness. Um, enjoy that, um, TC. And a reminder that new SBK customers can get £30 in free bets by betting £10. Uh, T's and C's always apply. Remember to subscribe to whatever podcast channel you listen to or on YouTube um, as we continue hopefully finding some winners for you and there'll be plenty of other podcast content appearing pre-Royal Ascot which is coming in just over a month's time. I can't believe we're nearly there and there will of course be a special uh, preview for that as well. So looking forward to a lot more coming your way and uh, have a great weekend and we'll see you next week.